1: The two Simons here and it's the analyst inside cricket looking back at the fourth day's play in the Adelaide Test match and I think for the first time England can say they actually won a day in this series they are in a a fantastic position well it's an opportunity anyway to try and chase down 354 the, the most runs they've ever chased in a fourth innings of a Test match to win it obviously it's a tall order but they've given themselves the best chance with Joe Root and Chris Wokes in at the crease and Joe Root looking supreme at the moment What chance do you give them, Simon, at this point?
0: Well, I think it's 70-30 in favour of Australia. Joe Root is obviously key. England do have the batsmen to win the game. They've got Bairstow and Moen and Joe Root and Wokes has got to play his part and so too has Craig Overton and possibly even Stuart Broad and James Anderson I spoke to James Anderson after play tonight after his his wonderful bowling his first five for in Australia and I said to him have you thought yet about the possibility of coming in tomorrow with 10 to win you know last man in and he sort of chuckled he said I thought you were going to ask me that he said well I think about 10 or 15 is about the most I can manage so that's the challenge for the other batsmen get it within 10 or 15 before Jimmy Anderson has Has to come into bat otherwise England haven't got a chance what a day's cricket it has been it's been absolutely riveting it's why we love the Ashes and you're right the Ashes came to life today it felt like a real contest everyone was watching intently and we don't quite know which way the game is going to go which is incredible really when you think England were 142 for seven yesterday and seemingly just out of the game and heading for a huge defeat
1: it's a good point you make about you know 10 runs for, for Anderson to possibly make because I think that's the way England have to approach it is 178 for 4 or 354 in total sounds like a, a lot of runs. But if you boil it down to, say, 25 per batsman or 30 per batsman, then it is achievable. And once you get down to the lower order, obviously it's only going to be 5 or 10 per batsman. But if they all play to roughly their test average, they should just about... Make it so that's how tantalizing the prospect is going to be. I thought uh, D- David Milan handled the, the situation pretty well, actually. Um, obviously, Root was looking good. Chris Wokes dug out a couple of devilish deliveries at the end of the day. But I, I suppose, like you, 70 30 in favor of Australia, I see that because the, the Australian bowling was, was pretty good. I mean, Nathan Lyon, not, not surprising that he is the leading wicket taker in the world because he's just got that combination of energy in his body and drift and spin and bounce and every ball seems to be asking a question of the batsman he's able to go round the wicket and over the wicket he's got that kind of optimism in, in his body language and his his hunger for wickets and his ability to to just deceive batsmen and funnily enough I was thinking a lot today watching him bowl of Shane Warne who often got wickets not with spin but with drift And he got the batsman overbalancing and hitting the ball in the air or or missing the ball because not so much of the big spin, but because of the drift he gets, because of the spin he imparts on the ball. And Nathan Lyons is a little bit similar to that. I think he's going to be a constant threat throughout the series and probably for the next few years, because he seems to be able to make batsmen indecisive, uncertain on any pitch. And Pat Cummings at the other end, I mean, those two in tandem – they're going to be a threat for for some years to come if they stay fit, because I mean Cummins has got this this supreme pace and excellent control. He seems to completely understand how to get batsmen out. He can move them around the crease. He's almost like a sort of Jimmy Anderson with extra pace. So I, I well, if if England manage to pull it off, it will be a remarkable performance.
0: Well, it would probably be one of the, the the greatest England victory of all time, or one of them. I mean, you know, in line with. Headingly 1981, because they were absolutely nowhere. They were 302 runs behind with three wickets left when that partnership started between Craig Overton and Chris Wokes. And even then, you know, still over 200 runs behind. did really well to bowl Australia out for 138. Australia didn't take the option of enforcing the follow-on and bowling under lights. I mean, teams don't generally enforce the follow-on these days. I mean, it's looking... Uh, a mistake. It was called as a mistake at the time by some. I mean, I thought it was fine for Australia to bat again. I, I thought England England did bowl well, but Australia didn't bat very well today. They were rather they rather frittered their wickets away, almost as if they felt they had enough runs and. Possibly they have. 354 is a, is a big lead and no England team has ever scored that many to win a test match before. That's why I said it will be one of England's greatest victories, you know, along with Headingley 1981 if they get there. It probably won't be the, have the same hype surrounding it because of the position England were in at the time in, in 1981. But I mean, England were in a perilous, impossible position here. If you said, you know, at uh, uh, that time yeah, yesterday that England were going to win the game, People say, well, I just don't see how that's remotely possible. So that would be the scale of a potential England victory. But, you know, there there are many problems ahead of them. You mentioned Cummings, who was superb, got rid of Milan just before the close, and Lyon, constant threat. He actually had Joe Root out LBW, and Root reviewed it, and it was one of those, you were just waiting, waiting, waiting for the the ball tracking, and it was just just going over the top of the stumps. And that, you know, Root's presence gives England a chance, I think. Root is, is key. I think Berstow is key, a right-hander as well. You talk about Lyon, a right-hander against Lyon is, is going to be really significant and, and a, a lot resting on Bairstow as well, I think, on the final day.
1: And I suppose also that England can take some confidence from the fact that Craig Overton played so well in the first innings and Australia didn't get him out, and he got that 41 at the highest score of the innings. So it's not as if their tail is going to be quite as easily blown away as it has been in in previous tests. So they can think of themselves as if they can get to sort 280, two eighty, three hundred, seven down... Uh, you know, then they they really have got a great chance of, of pulling over the line in this one. Jimmy Anderson first five wicket haul in Australia. That says something in a way. That says something about firstly his versatility, I suppose, and and also the fact that he he might be getting older, but he's not getting any less able in the right conditions. I think it's just about having to find a way to get more wickets when the conditions aren't in his favour, especially in Australia. Maybe to take a few more risks, actually, with the ball, pitch it up a bit more, even when the ball isn't swinging, and maybe have men on the drive or something like that. Because England need him to find a way of taking wickets in Perth and Melbourne should they survive this test match and somehow pull off on a, a miraculous win. But, He exemplified in in this Test match, certainly in Australia's second innings, why he's still a peerless exponent of swing and seam. and He's now only a few wickets behind Courtney Walsh. And I guess he will eventually overtake Glenn McGrath, who's on, I think, 563. So he's got about 40 wickets to go to overtake Glenn McGrath or a few more. But two years' time, I think he'll do that comfortably.
0: Yeah, he's got five more to go to get level with Courtney Walsh. The other thing about Anderson's bowling, it's not just the skill but also the stamina. He bowled a huge number of overs under the lights last night. You know, He did a job for his captain. He was the biggest threat and, he, and Root kept him going. And then this morning, he bowled a really long spell as well. I think it was something like 11 overs. just kept on going. He thought, you know, he's going to have to take him off. He's going to have to take him off. But he picked up the first two wickets. He eventually got his fifa, just kept on going. I mean, that's a captain's dream to have a bowler like that. You know, you know, some bowlers don't always want to bowl. You know, they'll bowl in three or four over spells or four or five over spells, and some have to bowl in, in short spells. That's the only way you can use them. But Anderson, he's got this sort of economical run-up. He's so fit and you know, a magnificent effort, really, at the age of 35, of skill and stamina.
1: What an amazing sight it was at the end of the day. The sun... Going down, the floodlights on at the Adelaide Oval. There was that sort of glowing purple sunset in the distance. And then we had you know, Pat Cummings charging into bowl, round the wicket to David Milan, who was to doing everything he could to to try and fend him off. And Joe Root, the other end, who looked a more kind of composed and and more balanced batsman than I think he has earlier in the series he he didn't look so frenetic early on and he he was content to just bide his time a bit more and then start to get the fluency and the rhythm going in his batting and that's the best innings I think he's played well certainly in this series and and actually for a while I think because it had a good balance between defense and attack and and, and a measured approach, good rotation of the strike, quick singles taken and then Just when Australia desperately needed that wicket, Cummins came in with a dramatic ball to Milan that just sneaked through bat and pad, beat him for pace, and that just set the ground alight again, even though the the Barmy army had started to dominate. It must have been a a compelling and riveting
0: atmosphere to be part of. It was absolutely fantastic. It, it really was the best Test cricket I've seen for a while. And with this England team, you do get a lot of very good Test cricket, you know, when you have the likes of Stokes and Bairstow playing and Root because they're, they're such high quality and they, they're great to watch and Anderson as well. So, you know, there's been a lot of great things to admire from England, but, you know, this... F- Fourth day will live in my memory for a, a long time. I hope the fifth day will live in my memory for even longer. It would be fantastic to have a, a close finish. Of course, Australia could nip that in the bud with a couple of early wickets. And then it's, you know, it's very, very difficult for England to, to get up to the 354. I and mean, the reason 354, that sort of score, has not been scored very often or at all by an England side is because it is incredibly difficult to do it, but they, they have just given themselves a chance. They've recovered some of that pride that they lost earlier in the Test match. I think and there were a lot of people here, a lot of England supporters, very gloomy about the way they played, you know, the put in decision, and then Australia 440 for eight, then the way England batted. And they've given themselves a hope, but it almost feels now as if the, the Ashes depends on the final day of this match or at least the the prolongation of the series and the possibility of England retaining the ashes if they go 2-0 down here very hard to see them retaining the ashes if they can get it to 1-1 then clearly they've got a chance and that will prey on Australia as well I mean if England were to chase down 350 imagine what that would do to Australian psyche you know they thought they had this game won they thought they were 2-0 up they're all the cock-a-hoop and then suddenly England pull it back anyway there's a long way to go before we can contemplate that but it it does promise to be a a fascinating final day Uh, it's got to be odds on Australia they've got the runs in the bank they've got the bowlers there's enough turn for line and you know Simon from being in cricket dressing rooms batting dressing rooms the closer you get the more nerve-wracking it becomes and also as well six mistakes from England but Australia can have, you know, they've got more latitude tomorrow. Uh, you know, they can make more mistakes. They can even drop a catch or whatever and, and still win the game. England, six mistakes or even six or four good balls, and two mistakes and Australia win. That's how close they are. So, you know, <laughs> you know which, I mean, well, tell us what it's like to be in a, a cricket dressing room when you're sneaking towards or inching towards, a, you know, a famous victory or a tight victory. It, it, it's so nerve wracking.
1: You're right. That it does get worse. That the closer you get to it, actually, and I do remember a very close run chase in a cup final and I was next in to bat, and Mike Gatting was pacing up and down, the captain on the balcony at Lords, rather kind of agitated, looking at whether we'd get the, the runs with, I think, John Embry and Phil Edmonds at the wicket, and he was looking nervously out there, thinking, oh, we'll ten to win off 12 balls or something, and he was looking quite agitated, and then he turned back to the dressing room and he saw me and my pads next in, and he looked even more agitated and looked back out to the middle, <laughs> and we did actually win in the end. I, I was in just at the end, and just as a non-striker, as we hit the winning runs, so, yeah, it, obviously the tension can be can overtake you, but I didn't think Steve Smith handled that situation that well on the field. You know, he's he's one who does rather betray his emotions, which isn't always good as a captain, you know, getting the double teapot out and the, the hanging his head and his head in his hands and, and stuff. They also made those two rather rash decisions to review LBW, so they've lost both their reviews for another 18 overs. He dropped that catcher, a tricky catch at first slip-off, the, uh, the bat of Milan as well. So it hasn't been great for, for Smith. And I don't think he's one of the calmest individuals on the field. So if England do get close, I can see Smith, you know, kind of the toys coming out of the pram a little bit. So that's one thing for, for England to focus on. Yes, the, the, the odds are still favouring Australia, but, you know, Chris Wokes, decent batsman. Is it 11 first-class hundreds he's got? Root looked very good. They've just got to get through that first hour or so without losing a wicket and get say the 30 or 40 runs start again the climate and the weather and the condition should be at their most favourable there's 18 overs to go to the second new ball so if they can get say 40 or 50 runs in that eight hour and 20 minutes edge past the 200 mark reduce the the, the deficit the target to what 120 or so then it really is a great game
0: yeah, the focus is on Smith as well because he he didn't enforce the follow-on. And, and of course, you know, everyone's saying, oh, well, you know, if Australia had bowled again, they would have bowled England out because the conditions were so favourable. And just on the lights, of course, the lights, in a way, are, are out of the equation now. England almost certainly will not have to bat under lights, or not for very long, because of the nature of the game. You know, if the game goes its natural course, and England were to get close to victory or even win the game, you know, it would happen around about the dinner break time. So they're not going to be batting under lights. That's out of the equation. The new ball, clearly, 18 overs into the day's play, is going to be crucial. If, if Wokes and Root can, can somehow be there when that new ball comes around then you know it's sometimes you can score quicker off off the new ball as well and what they what they will do is they'll get you know get those Australian bowlers bowling more overs as well you know just just tie them out that four-man attack. Line though for me is absolutely crucial um, and can they sort out and resist Stark and, and Cummings who was superb tonight and Hazelwood as well it is a very tall task but Fantastic that England are in this position. They've given us a game. All the people have travelled out here, paid all the money to, to come and watch the Ashes. You know they'll come along tomorrow, knowing that England have fought hard and that then they're right in the game and they're they're tweaking the nose of the kangaroo. Well,
1: let's hope that we can talk to you tomorrow amidst the sounds in the background of the Barmy Army partying madly because of a dramatic and brilliant England run chase. I'll speak to you tomorrow at this time.
0: Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to the final day. I can't wait for it. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.